0: Welcome to the Azure
1: Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to episode 53. This week is a special episode. Uh, We're going to talk about a new feature that's coming in Azure SQL DB named Ledger. This week it's myself, Michael, and Sarah, and our guest this week is Peter Van Hove. Uh, we'll also have no news this week because it is a special episode. So, Peter, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, would you like to spend a moment and just give our listeners a background about yourself?
1: Yeah, hi. Good uh, yeah, morning, good afternoon, or wherever you are in the world listening to us. My name is Peter. I'm a program manager at Microsoft in the data platform security team. So our team is responsible for all security features inside SQL uh, products uh, like SQL Server, Azure, SQL DB, MI. And I'm the feature program manager of Ledger, the, the feature we're going to talk about today. Well, thanks for that, Peter. So tell us, what is Ledger? What does it do? What, why, why is it so exciting? And uh, why are we having a special episode on it? Yeah, sure. I can explain. Um, imagine that you're working at a financial or medical a company, and that you have a very sensitive data inside your database. How can you be 100% sure that nobody has actually tampered with your data? If I look at my previous life, I was a DBA, so I literally had like full control of the, all the databases. So if I wanted to, I could just log in into all these databases, tamper with the data, uh, erase all my traces, and you're good to go. Nobody would ever have noticed that I have modified the data. So it's really crucial for these financial and medical companies that uh, yeah, they can prove that the data can be trusted. So currently for them, it's really hard to do. You can try to switch on auditing. That will help, of course. But then again, if you look at my role as a DBA, I could easily switch off the auditing, do my modification, then switch on auditing again. These companies are, like I said, not 100% sure that they Uh, can trust their data on the other side if we look at uh, multi-party companies or workflows let's say uh, typically what these companies are doing they are looking into blockchain technologies to guarantee the integrity of the data and the business logic in an untrusted environment thing with blockchain is that it's decentralized structure and it represents significant challenges for these companies Uh, when it comes to real-world production workloads. It's completely decentralized, it's not really performant, and there are many scenarios where blockchain solutions is really an overkill and it doesn't really justify the cost and the performance overhead of implementing a complete blockchain structure. So that's why we implemented Ledger to address these two problems, right? So to address um, or how can we show that or prove that our data that is inside the database is completely trusted. So is Ledger a service or is it actually built into the product? I'm, I'm not a database guru like Michael, so I'm asking the noob questions. It's a feature. So it's not a new flavor of an Azure SQL database or SQL server. No, it's just a new feature that is enabled in every service tier of Azure SQL DB. So yeah, you just need to, let's say, switch it on by creating what we call a ledger table. I'll come back to that uh, immediately. So no, there's no extra service that needs to be enabled. And this feature is currently available in Azure SQL DB. So as Michael said, we're just launching the GA today. And the feature is also available in the new version, the box version of SQL Server, SQL Server 2022. Nice, and just because it's always something to uh, get out of the way because, you know, uh, people have budgets, but
0: do we charge for it? Is there an extra charge? How, how, does, how does that work for that particular
1: feature? No, it's, yeah, it's completely free. So you just enable the ledger tables. Um, you might end up with some extra storage because we're keeping track of the history. Uh, again, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but that will basically be the extra cost to storage. You don't need to pay anything extra um, for this feature. And as I said, it's available in all different service tiers, even in the basic uh, service tier, the cheapest one, you are able to um, use the ledger feature there.
0: All right, Peter, so let's get into some of the nitty gritty. So how does this thing work? I mean, um, you just mentioned before that you can create a table and say it's a ledger table. Yeah. So what happens next?
1: Yeah, so it's it's really about bringing the power of blockchain into uh, the SQL database. So we're making the SQL uh, or the data that is inside the ledger table tamper evident by using cryptographic. And when we talk about cryptography, it's literally, uh, you should see it as yeah the pattern of cryptographic that is that you see in blockchain nowadays. So how does it work? Uh, we have two different types of tables. We have an updatable ledger table and we have an append-only ledger table. Typically, updatable ledger tables are used by applications, of course, so they need to be able to do insert, update, delete statements, right? The other flavor that we have is append-only. Like I said, you can just append records, so we only allow insert statements. Um, We don't allow any update or delete statements whatsoever on these particular tables. So the user can actually choose between those two. Let's go for the updatable ledger table. So what happens is when you update a particular column in a row of a ledger table, what we're going to do is we're going to take the previous version of that row and we're going to put that in what we call a history table. People that are familiar with SQL Server, they will say, yeah, hey, we already have that. It's called temporal tables. That's true. And I can even tell you more Um, the ledger feature is built on top of the technology of of temporal table, but it's more advanced. It's better because we have the the cryptographic parts under the hood as well. So what we're doing when we move that uh, previous version of the row to the history table, we are also going to add extra metadata to that. So, for example, the transaction ID, the user that has actually executed that transaction the commit timestamp of that transaction so everything is then stored in that history table on top of that when uh, you create a ledger table we're also going to create what we call a ledger view and the ledger view gives you a chronicle overview of your database so it shows you the the current value of your records but it also shows you the the historical values of of, um, of the record so we make your life a little bit easier by by default creating a ledger view for you. Um, So this is how we keep track of the historical values of your ledger table. Now, how is the data then actually protected? Yeah, and it is protected in what we call a database ledger. So we're basically using a blockchain structure under the hood that is implemented in SQL Server or in Azure SQL DB. Um, What does it mean? So every transaction is hashed by using a SHA-256 hashing uh, mechanism. Similar what you see in blockchain nowadays. Now, what are we doing? Every row in a transaction is hashed by using a Merkle tree data structure that creates a root hash. So for those who don't know what a Merkle tree is, uh, what we're using uh, as the input for the hash function is the row information like How many columns did we update? What were the columns? Um, What were the the type, uh, the column types and so on? So we, we use that information as input for the hash functions. And then we're going to hash these rows and we're going to produce what we call a parent hash. And then these parent hashes are then hashed again into new hash and so on and so on until ultimately we produce a root hash that is representing all the rows in that single transaction. That's the first step that what we're doing. And secondly, we batch all these transactions into blocks. So uh, what does that mean is like um, in Azure SQL DB, every 30 seconds, we're going to create a new block that will consist all the transactions that have occurred during that time period, right? And that block is then also cryptographically hashed and linked to the previous block, just like in the blockchain. So that's how we're building um, that blockchain um, technology, or that's how we built the blockchain, in fact. At that point, once we have produced a block, also what we call a database digest, we're going to push out that block or the database digest out of SQL Server. And we're going to push it into trusted storage, like for example, Azure Immutable Blob Storage, or we also currently have a new service now called Azure Confidential Ledger. So you can choose between both of them, what you you prefer. And once this is pushed out, it is stored in immutable storage, which means nobody can there actually tamper with that data. Now it becomes interesting, of course, because um, remember when I said, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? Well, we need to build trust and we need to have that we need to make our customers um, that they're able, sorry, that they're able to yeah prove that the data can be trusted. So how can they prove this right now? Because we're storing the database digest on a different location, what we can do next is, we can run a store procedure that is going to verify the database digests that are outside the database. Um, and we're going to compare that in what we have inside in the database, which means um, what we're going to do is we're going to recalculate the hashes in real time in SQL. And we're going to match that with the hashes that we have on the immutable storage. And if we, we have a match between those hashes, it means that we are 100% sure that nobody has actually tampered with the data. If we don't have a match, it means that, hey, okay, somebody screwed up our database, somebody screwed up the data that is inside that particular table. So we are sure that, okay, the data cannot be trusted and we need to figure out what happened. Then you just need to look up into the history tables, what was the transaction and yeah, start your investigation, what exactly has happened with the data inside that ledger table. This means that it makes it really, really easy for the customers to prove that tampering hasn't occurred on the data, and that your data can actually be trusted. So it's really, really powerful um, for for our customers to to have that and to prove that your data can be trusted uh, to external auditors, for example, or if you're working with um, supply chains, for example, where you have multi parties. These verifications can also be run by by those multi parties to yeah, to gain trust and to know okay this data can be trusted from all the parties
0: and and that's an important part right because the the hashes have to be stored on something that is tamper resistant right i mean you could store these things on a storage account but there's really no verification that they've been tampered with i mean even put on, even if you put put them in a storage account with an rbac control uh, you know, a strong RBAC policy. The, the problem there is that the admins can still, you know, if the RBAC policy says admin can access, you know, write over these hashes, the admin, a rogue admin, can still write over the hashes. So we have to use, you know, mitigations that are basically cryptographic controls. Or in the case of blob store, we can use
1: um, immutable storage. Um, is, is that a fair comment? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, if you just use an, let's say an ordinary storage account, you're right. Everybody can that has the appropriate permissions can go into these digest files. These are just JSON files that we produce with the hashes inside. But still, you can open the, these files and you can tamper with, uh, with, with whatever you want in these files. So if you switch on the immutable setting on the Azure storage account, it's just writing once and reading multiple times, but there's no way you can actually modify anything in the digest so that is crucial
0: yeah yeah the nice thing about merkle trees as well is that they're actually quite efficient when it comes to um verification which is um which is a, a, a little, little bit of a fun fact for all you people who are not crypto nerds yeah so we also have the azure, azure confidential ledger which is a a, a new feature where it can also be used for storage mm-hmm. um of the uh, the hashes but at the end of the day that is a that is another service right Yeah, storage is a service and ACL is a uh, is a service as well. One of the examples you gave was was a malicious DBA, and I think that's that's just a a, you know fantastic scenario, right? Like, so how do I protect against a malicious DBA? And, And this is really important in like a zero trust environment as well. You know, if an attacker is on the network and they've completely compromised absolutely everything, is the data still secure from tampering? By data, I mean that the hashes, and that's why immutable storage and as a confidential ledger is just so critically important. I mean their threat models are designed, you know, specifically to mitigate a, a rogue DBA. But when you and I were talking a couple of days ago, you also mentioned another example with a, a hardware vendor. Do you want to just sort of go through that scenario?
1: Yeah, we have a vendor. Uh, the company is called Lenovo. Probably everybody knows Lenovo, so they're producing laptops, and they are one of our customers that are already using the ledger feature for their supply chain. So what they have built is when they produce a laptop, they store the hardware information into a ledger table, like for example, the number of CPUs, the number of memory that is in that particular laptop and so on. So all the, these specifications are stored in there. And once we, uh, let's say, Michael, you ordered a laptop and we sent the laptop to you. And you receive the laptop, you open it up, and then you need to register your laptop. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to verify that the laptop that you've received is really what you have ordered. And to prove that is we're going to check uh, based on the, or Lenovo is going to check based on the serial number of your laptop. And it's going to verify that into the ledger table. And if that is correct, so the number of CPUs, the number of memory, the type, and so on, If that is valid, we know that you have received the correct laptop that you've ordered because we know that the data in the ledger table can be trusted. And this is a real-life example because sometimes when the laptop is delivered by a third-party company or by a vendor, apparently it happened from time to time that instead of, let's say, if you have eight CPUs, you just get like four and nobody would have ever known what has happened. But by using or storing that information in the ledger table, we're sure that if these values don't match, that the end user or the end customer didn't get the correct laptop. And that's yeah, a really good example of uh, how you can use Ledger.
0: So uh, an interesting point here is, okay, so we've got these, you know, this series of hashes and I can verify that the data has not been tampered with by verifying the hashes. But let's say there has been a tampering uh, mm-hmm. incident and the data has been tampered with. How, how can we recover from that?
1: There are two types of, of tampering. First, let me go back a little bit. So um, you gave the example of the malicious DBA, right? If he, he or she just tries to modify a record, that will be stored in the history table, right? That modification. But if we should run the verification, it that would succeed, right? Because there is has nothing really changed under the hood, or there has nothing really changed uh, in the database digest itself. So that's one way of tampering it. And to, yeah, to figure that out, you just need to go into the history table and try to find out what exactly has happened. There is another possibility, of course, is that um, the DBA, if, if they have um, SQL skills and they know how to tamper, for example, immediately in the data file on disk, or if we look at uh, our platform, if we should have a, a cloud operator that is able to tamper with the data inside the data files itself, then yeah, these changes would never appear in the history table. But these changes or that temp, that type of tampering would be captured by the verification, right? Because then the hashes wouldn't match and then you the, the verification would fail. Now, okay, let's say that you figured out that somebody actually has tampered with your data, so the verification fails. Indeed, a good question: how can you recover from this tampering? And you should look at two different scenarios. Um, you should look at, look at it like, um, okay, the tampering, does it affect the data that has is used in further transactions? Or the tampering didn't affect any further transactions? If you look at the first example, so it affected further transactions, the only option that you have is doing a point-in-time restore of your database to the latest backup that can be verified. So yeah, you will need to try and an error to see, okay, if I do a restore until uh, let's say yesterday, and then I run the verification on that restore database, the verification still fails, okay, then we still need to go back in time. So it's a manual process doing the point in time restore. And then what you can do, you can manually repair the table, the, the ledgers table, by reinserting the information, that's one option if you know what information that you need to insert, but that's a manual action. Or the other option is that you just accept that the transactions that uh, occurred after the restore, that they are lost. So these are the two, two options that you have. Now, if we look at the other example where the tampering didn't affect the further transactions, what you can do is you can retrieve the correct table ledger from backup. So what you need to do, you need to restore the database under another name. And then you need to figure out, okay, what was the previous value of that particular record? And then you can just overwrite the tempered data with the original data that you found back in the backup files. With that, you will correct the data. It will again store um, a value in the history table, but that's okay. After that, um, Yeah, the tampering will go away and, um, well, not the tampering will go away, but you will have the original value back again in the ledger table. So nothing comes free. So what's the performance impact?
0: Uh, My guess is it's probably, you know, some kind of impact on writes and updates, probably not on reads, but I'll leave that to you.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there is an impact. So there is an overhead. Uh, when you switch on um, or when you start using a ledger table. So what we did, we did a, a bunch of tests um, with two different type of loads. So one load that is just typically what we see, a random read and write access of an application. And then another uh, load, what we did, was um, one where we did a lot of updates, only uh, single updates on a particular ledger table. And there is indeed an impact. Yeah, There is an overhead. Um, like with the regular loads, uh, updates, and uh, inserts, uh, we lose around 6% of performance. That's the consequence of having uh, Ledger enabled. And the thing is that, of course, if we look at the DML latency here um, for inserts, it's pretty much OK because we don't need to keep track of historical data, data for uh, inserts statements the only thing we need to do is we need to compute the hash so that's pretty much okay but if we look at delete operations then we need to keep track of that in the history table and on top of that we also need to have or we need to compute the the hash there so that's some extra performance impact even for update operations it's even more because then we need to add two records in the history table so one for the um the old version and then one for the new version so we we, we basically do an delete and then an insert again in the history table so yeah it has an impact but um to be honest the customers that i've been working with in for proof of concepts they are happy with the performance of uh, of the ledger tapes they don't have any any complaints
0: at all there? Yeah, I think it's important, right? Because you know, when you're looking at you know the security benefit and the non-repudiation benefits that come with ledger for certain environments, it completely outweighs you know the the, the performance cost. I mean, we know how to solve you know, the performance cost problem, right? We you know, mm-hmm. we throw some more hardware at the problem. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if it's a feature that you absolutely need, and I, and I mentioned non-repudiation, that's incredibly important because there are some. Environments where you need strong cryptographic non-repudiation. I mean, I mean a log file, for want of a better word, with just strong RBAC policies still has very weak non-repudiation value because it can still be manipulated by potentially a trusted user. Something that you know, uses cryptographic mechanisms to protect it and with strong, you know, write-once, read many um, storage. Uh, carries a lot more weight when it comes to uh, you know, mitigating repudiation threats. And in fact, for those of you out there who are you know, into threat modeling, um, you may be familiar with stride, which is spoofing, tampering, repudiation, information disclosure, denial of service, and elevation of privilege. Well, the R in there you know, in stride is repudiation. And uh, this uh, ledger technology is a, is a fantastic arrow to having your quiver um, when it comes to you know, mechanisms for, uh, for mitigating repudiation threats. Historically, they're, they're, they're kind of pretty weak. You know, a lot of technologies don't support it very well, but this is one that you know, supports it ex- exceedingly well out of the box. So this is uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited actually about, about Ledger. So this is, this is great to see. So Peter, one thing we ask all our guests um, is if you have one final thought you'd like to leave our listeners with, uh, what would it be?
1: Well, if you want to have uh, cryptographic proof Uh, that your data can be trusted and that it has not been tampered with, just start looking at Ledger. It's easy to use, and it's performant, and it's just SQL. It's a feature in SQL Server. So go ahead and play with it, and let us know what you think of it.
0: Okay, Peter. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I uh, really appreciate it. I know that um, with the launch of this, this is uh, you're going to be you're going to be pretty busy. So again, thank you very much for joining us, uh, and to all our listeners out there, uh, we hope you found this really useful. Um, Ledger is certainly a technology that I'm, uh, I'm really Azure excited Security about. Podcast. Uh, but you anyway, for everyone no out there. Stay and safe, and we'll see you next our time our
1: website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SetPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.